Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Whitfield Report Thursday edition. I am recording this uh, here at NGC Studios on Wednesday evening, uh, but this is the Thursday show. Welcome to the program. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Contact info as usual. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at somebody underscore NGC. You can follow me on Parlor at Sam Whitfield. Going to need to change that logo there uh, in a bit. And um, you can support me on Facebook at uh, Whitfield Report. TheSamWhitfield.com is my website. And, of course, uh, subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you'd like to... um, get your podcast at, and also, of course, you can uh, support the show directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report and clicking on the uh, support this podcast button, or you can go to streamlabs.com forward slash the Whitfield Report. Uh, Folks, for those of you listening on audio, I'm doing a video version of the podcast as well, but it's still pre-recorded, you know, since it's Thursday... And, uh, you know, my schedule for Thursdays now is kind of uh, booked for, you know, this semester, uh, for the time being at least. Um, at any rate, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, it's good to be back here. I missed Saturday's show. Um, I actually kind of canceled it because it was Super Bowl weekend and uh, there wasn't really anything... I guess newsworthy other than the game uh, that was going on. Obviously, we had some uh, stuff with the, you know, coronavirus, which I covered on, you know, last week's Thursday show, but there was no Saturday show. Um, At any rate, there's a lot of stuff I want to cover. Some of it will be out of order, and you'll get what I uh, mean in uh, just a bit. But real quick... um, before we begin the program, I just want to give another shout out to my uh, close friend, uh, Mr. Luke Nicholas, who is a, you know, he's been one of my best friends uh, for close to 20 years now. We go back uh, really far, and I want to give him a shout out because uh, he sent me uh, this beautiful new microphone, the HyperX Quadcast, uh, for my birthday. And uh, it is. Absolutely amazing. Uh, 
I've been using the Samsung Q2U for a while, which uh, is pretty decent. And then I was using the you know, Yeti for years, and the sound quality on that has kind of you know degraded over time a bit. But I'm really liking this new uh, microphone, and uh, I kind of had to tilt my uh, laptop camera a bit so it's in the shot. But um, I'm loving it so far. Tested it at last night, and uh, the audio from it seems to be pretty well. So. Um, you know, my camera's not exactly straight on, uh, but uh, let me know if you guys like this uh, angle or if uh, I should change it to uh, straight on. The The bathrobe uh, is not in the shot, but my uh, closet kind of is, as is my uh, bookshelf and, you know, whatnot, along with the uh, comic book collection there in the background, and my Eagle Scout statue um, in the background. Um, at any rate, though, let's get on with the show. Um, so I'm going to go out of order a bit tonight uh, in terms of topics. I am going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and uh, more specifically the halftime show because there was... Uh, some interesting stuff that went on uh, there with that. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have to jump ahead to, you know, some of more immediate topics that have come up this week. Um, one of them I've tweeted a bit about uh, yesterday and today, and I, I think for a lot of you guys who know me, you guys know uh, what I'm going to talk about here for a bit. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I find it very interesting that this year, in 2020, this will be my 12th year of podcasting uh, total, come uh, March. And up until this year, I've never really been autobiographical with my, you know, with my story. I I have been a little bit in some uh, instances, but... You know, this year, really, you know, for my birthday show, the Reflecting on 25 Years, that was the first uh, truly autobiographical show that I've done. And, uh, you know, I know I said that that would kind of be a one-time thing and that I wouldn't be talking a bit about myself that much on the show uh, going forward, but, you know, God, I guess, has other plans, you know, for me in that respect, in a, in a sense, um, you know, and part of that has to do with the origins of the program, um, so just to, uh, you know, get it out there, uh, earlier this week on Monday, Rush Limbaugh announced on his radio program that he has uh, stage four lung cancer. I actually have a clip of this that I'm going to queue up uh, for you guys to watch. And uh, it's it's heartbreaking. And then I'll and then I will, you know, kind of explain why. You know the the reaction, what kind of my reaction to this was. Um, 
because this one was gut-wrenching for me when I uh, heard the news. Now, the video quality on this clip is not great. Uh, Rush Limbaugh's actual video stream is in HD quality usually, uh, but this was like a YouTube uh, copy. The audio is good, so those of you listening on the audio podcast, you know, this won't really affect you, but the video is, you know, like, it's like 480p or something lower, but anyway, you guys will get the idea. Anyway, uh, clip number one, Rush Limbaugh announces he has uh, lung cancer. Let's roll the tape. This is from uh, Monday's Rush Limbaugh program. Clip number one, roll the tape. This day has been uh, one of the most difficult days in recent memory for me because I've known this moment was coming in the program today. I'm sure that you all know by now, I really don't like talking about myself. And I don't like making things uh, about me other than in the usual satirical, parodic, joking way. I like this program to be about you and the things that matter to all of us. The one thing that I know that has happened over the 31-plus years of this program is that there has been an incredible bond that has developed between all of you and me. Now, this program's 31 years old, and in that 31, there are people, you hear them call all the time, and they've been listening the whole time. They've been listening 30 years or 25 years. Just had somebody say they've been here three years. But whatever, it is a family-type relationship to me. And I've, I've, I've mentioned to you that this program is, and this job uh, is what has provided me the greatest satisfaction and happiness that I've ever experienced, more than I ever thought that I would experience. So I have to tell you something today that I wish I didn't have to tell you. And it's it's a struggle for me because I... I had to inform my staff earlier today. I can't escape, even though telling people are telling me it's it's not the way to look at it. I, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th, Uh, first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment. 
And I know that that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people wondering what's going on. And the worst thing that can happen is when there is something going on and you try to hide it and cover it up, it's eventually going to leak. And then people are going to, why didn't you just say it? Why just did it? Why, why do you try to fool everybody? And it's not that I want to fool anybody. It's just that I, I don't want to burden anybody with it. And I haven't wanted to. Um, but it is what it is. And you know me, I'm the mayor of Realville. So this has happened. And my intention is to come here every day I can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as I do each and every day, because that is the source of my greatest satisfaction professionally, uh, personally. I've had so much support from uh, family and, and friends during this that it's, it's, just, it's, it's been tremendous. And I told the staff today that I have a deeply personal relationship with God that I do not proselytize about. But I do, and I have been working that relationship <laughs> tremendously. Um, so I just have to pause here more or less for, uh, you know, commentary's sake on the clip. Uh, fair use and all that jazz that YouTube uh, requires me to do, even though I'm obviously here picture in picture. Um, you know, obviously I'm I'm okay now, but when I first heard this, I was moved. I mean, I choked up. Even now, just talking about it, I'm kind of getting emotional again, maybe not, you know, to the level I was on Monday when I heard this news, but, um, you know, this is, this is another, uh, you know, long time listeners who've been with me for, you know, probably like three years or more will know why this is such a big deal, you know for me. But I will explain for the newer listeners and for, you know, the viewers in a sec why I I'm so saddened by this. Uh I'm a I'm a rush fan, but it's so much more than that for me and I'll, I'll explain what that is in a sec. which I do regularly anyway, but I've, I've been focused on it intensely for the past couple of weeks. I know there are many of you in this audience who have experienced this, who are going through it yourselves at the same time. I am at the moment experiencing zero symptoms other than, I don't, look, I don't want to get too detailed in this, what, what led to shortness of breath that I thought might have been asthma or um you know, I'm 69, could have been my heart. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was uh, a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. So I'm going to be gone the next couple of days as we figure out the treatment. Uh, 
course of action and have further testing done. But as I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be here as often as I can. And as is the case with everybody who finds themselves in a circumstance, you just want to, you want to push ahead and try to keep everything as normal as you can, which is something that I'm going to try to do. But felt that I had to tell you, uh, because that's the kind of relationship I feel like I have with those of you in this audience. And I say it every Christmas, which is when I feel more thankful than at Thanksgiving. And I feel thankful at Thanksgiving, but Christmas, it really gets to me. But over the years, a lot of people have been very nice telling me how much this program has meant to them. But whatever that is, it pales in comparison to what you all have meant to me. And I can't, I can't describe this, but you know, I know you're there every day. I can see you. It's, it's strange how I am, but I know you're there. I know you're there in great numbers. And I know that you understand everything I say. The rest of the world may not when they hear it expressed a different way, but I know that you do. You've been one of the greatest sources of confidence that I've had in my life. So I hope I will be talking about this as little as necessary in the coming days. But we've got a great bunch of doctors, a great team assembled. We're at full speed ahead on this. And it's just now a matter of implementing what we are going to be told later this week. So I'll be back here. I hope you be back on Thursday. If not, it'll be as soon as I can. And know that every day I'm not here, I'll be thinking about you and missing you. So Rush announced that on Monday. Okay. So I mentioned briefly on my birthday special show. And I, I've mentioned this in the past that Rush Limbaugh is a huge influence on me, as is Andrew Breitbart. They're the two biggest influences on me in terms of doing a show. But Rush... Limbaugh, there, there's no other way for me to say this, and I'm not being hyperbol hyperbolic or exaggerating at all when I tell you this. Um, it may seem like it, but I'm not. I'm not exaggerating one damn bit. Rush Limbaugh is quite literally one of the reasons why this show exists currently. I mean, obviously, I've done the work and I've built the show, but Rush Limbaugh was the inspiration for me to first get in, you know, 
involved in politics and then, you know, more ultimately to uh, start a show. And um, when I was about 10 or so, as I've explained before, I was always a, a political junkie growing up. Uh, history and current were my two strongest subjects. I went over that a bit uh, on the birthday special. So I'm not going to rehash that. Uh, you guys can go back if you need to and watch that stream or listen to the episode either or. What you, what many of the newer listeners may not know, um, is that when I was about nine or probably like eight, nine, ten, um, along, you know, those lines, um, my parents were going through through a really rough divorce, which I've mentioned before, and I I don't want to go into that whole you know mess, but that was what was going on in my life. But I I tried my best as any kid would have to cope with that, and uh, you know. Kids cope with grief and trauma in, like, really, you know, weird ways. In, you know, some not-so-weird ways, I guess. Um, when I was... When I was about 10 or so and all that was going on, um, my mother would pick me up from school and take me to uh, various therapies throughout the week. And obviously she would drive a lot. Now, because of her job, too, at the time, she was commuting, you know, to, uh, you know, and from work a lot. This was after my, you know, parents officially got divorced. And, uh, you know, so she had the car radio on a lot. And she had the car radio on a lot during the weekend, during the weekends too. And I mean, she was listening to music, but she was always a fan of talk radio. Not in not just like conservative talk radio, but she would listen to uh, NPR a lot too. So growing up in the car, you know, more or less, you know, going to different therapies or you know, going to Boy Scouts or uh, other activities I was involved in or what have you, the, the radio would just be on. And, um, like, I, one, I don't know exactly when I started, like, consciously listening to it, but, um, I started, like, listening to the radio, like, consciously at one point because, like, I... Like, she would tune into NPR a lot uh, to hear what NPR was saying about stuff. And I I think that, like, 
NPR would talk a lot about, you know, current events and whatnot that I was talking about in school. And so I would tune it, you know, I would listen to that. But to be honest, NPR like bored me as a kid because the voices were very monotone and very robotic and, you know, very kind of swishy and dreamlike, like, like this, and a little bit snobby, too. Um, you know, very, very plain. And then, um, I remember one day I was... I think mom had picked me up from like school early or or something because um Rush's program is from twelve to three Eastern, but what some of you may not know is the Denver station, the the Colorado station, actually would play like a replay of Rush's program from noon to three, you know, Denver time, mountain time. Um I don't know if they still do that. But I know like back in 04 and 05, when I tuned in, they did that. So, um, so you know, so mostly it would be noon to three. I was in school, so I wouldn't hear, hear. but every once in a while they would, um, they, you know, they would do noon to three Eastern and then, you know, actually do like the live broadcast in Denver. So I think that was like, that was actually earlier in the day, maybe. Sometimes I would replay at night, but, uh, anywho. Anywho, um, regardless of when the, when the live broadcast actually was, long story short, I remember I once heard, um, Rush talking one night about American exceptionalism. Now, in school, I was like in fourth or fifth grade, and uh, at that point, I, I had a very, you know, I would later come to, come to find out, you know, left-wing uh, teacher who, you know, although... She was great. She was still pretty far, to, you know, to the left. Not HJW level like, you know, professors are today. It wasn't. It wasn't bad like it is now. But she was very clearly, you know, centered to the left, and you know, she's. I remember at the time she was starting to talk about, you know, all the all the various, you know, mistakes that America has made, and how you know we're not that great of a country, and. Uh, you know, granted, America does have its its flaws, but, you know, she never talked about, like, American exceptionalism, so I was never, really, like, under the impression that America was a bad place, but I had, um, at the same time, from what I can remember, like, I, you know, American exceptionalism, that whole idea was not in my, in my lexicon yet. And then I heard Rush talk about American exceptionalism and, and Americana and how, 
America is one of the few places on Earth where anyone can come from anything and through, uh, you know, through grit and determination and through hard work, they can do whatever they want. And he was really energetic and he was really... He was really, uh, you know, just full of piss and vinegar and uh, just overall having a blast talking about this. Very high, very high energy. Rush has very high energy, folks. Not like low energy Jeb. Very high energy. Total energy. Uh, very cool. But, um... That high energy, like I remember, I remember hearing that, and I don't know exactly what clicked in me, but somehow, like even at 10, I knew that I wanted to to be in radio, I wanted to be in media, I wanted to be in broadcasting, I mean, here was a guy, he was talking about America, and what he loved about it, and he was getting, like, paid money to do it, and people were, you know, listening to what he had to say, and he was having a blast, and, you know, I felt I had a lot to say, and so, like, I knew deep down, like, someday I want to do that. And that was the, that was kind of the, uh, you know, impetus way back uh, when. So then fast forward to when I'm 13, 14 years old in the podcasting format uh, becomes a thing, although it was very unknown at the time. Um, I, that was like around the time when I was in, in like eighth grade going into high school, when I mentioned that political correctness was going off the, uh, you know, it was, starting to get bad in in schools and like you know I like I said on my birthday I was just you know I was I was getting in trouble my friends and I were getting in trouble from you know making jokes you know towards each other and just being like you know basically being like you know rowdy like you know teenage boys we were getting punished for that and you know told that we were like you know bad you know, straight white males, and, like, by, you know, by that point, like, I had kind of figured out, you know, that I was, like, more conservative-ish, so one day, like, I can't remember exactly what the incident was, but I was just, I was sick of the political correctness in my school, and so I, uh, I came home, and I had this headset mic at the time, and I got, like, this wild... I guess, hair on my ass to, like, 
do this podcast thing. And my first episode, like I was 13, my voice hadn't even cracked yet. It sounded like a kid. My my very first episode was um, more or less. If I'll if I can admit this, it was more or less like a Rush Limbaugh. I wouldn't really say like parody because I wasn't like trying to you know parody him or mock him, but essentially like my first episode, which. You know, like, I was just recording it for myself. Like, I wasn't really recording it for anyone to listen to. Um, you know, I basically just did, like, my best Rush Limbaugh, you know, kind of impression slash ripoff, but not really. And then I did another one because I was satisfied with it, and so on and so forth and then it became a show and people in my high school you know by that point I was like a freshman in high school and people started to listen to it that was when I moved to block talk radio and you know for a long period of time for like the first two or three years like I'll admit my style was kind of a carbon copy of Rush Limbaugh because you know that was that was who I had be- become accustomed to listening on on the radio, and then I discovered you know more hosts like you know Hugh Hewitt and uh, Dennis Miller, who I, you know who I would later find out was uh, an SNL host you know prior to that with Weekend Update, and uh, I'll pull up my website here real quick because. Uh, I I do need to update my bio on this website, folks, because it's been a while, um, admittedly. But if you go to my website, thesamewitfield.com, I actually have have a bio page um, on there. And I say that my hosting style... um, is a mix of Rush Limbaugh, Hugh Hewitt, Mark Levin, uh, Dennis Miller, and others. The others would now include, like, Joe Rogan, you know, since the evolution of podcasting has um, began. But, you know, really, as I've said, Rush Limbaugh was the impetus for this program, and obviously I've kind of evolved and, you know, made it, my own thing now, you know, in, in my later years, now that now that I'm in, in my 20s, but, you know, I started podcasting when, when I was 13 and, you know, 14 years old, and as I've said, maybe that was, you know, good, maybe that was bad, but I, I did it, and I will tell you something, like, I've, I've tried to quit doing podcasting, a few times intentionally there have been like various moments where you know throughout the years where you know like the show wasn't growing or I wasn't you know or like I had a really bad show or something and I thought and I thought about quitting right but something has always 
drawn me back to podcasting and the mic and the microphone. And I believe I've just always had the, the spark for speaking and Rush Limbaugh really helped um ignite that. Now, you know, I know some some members of my audience don't agree with, you know, Rush on everything. Some people think he's a gatekeeper or a neocon, which isn't true necessarily. Rush is kind of in a realm of his own completely, um, honestly. And, and so was Andrew Breitbart. I don't think you can really pin either of them down to any particular place in the lexicon. You know, maybe other than being conservative, but even, you know, even that definition changes every, you know, few years. Like, I used to be considered, like, as I've said, I I admit it, I had more neocon, you know, tendencies when I was younger, then I went more libertarian, and now I'm, like, somewhere in between. You know, I don't really fit in the, I'm you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing, and Rush is kind of the same way, I, I believe. Um, you know, but the overall point here is, folks, is um, he is a huge, you know, influence. He is the influence in me starting my uh, program. You know, the basis, more or less. And so hearing this news breaks my heart, and I know that this is going to seem far-fetched, and I'm hesitant to share this with you on air only because I don't want to jinx myself, but at the same time, I do want to put this out there in the ether. Um, because, you know, crazier things have happened in my life. Me getting to interview Ben Shapiro was one of those crazy things. So, if it weren't for that, I might not put this out there, but... Like I said, crazier things have happened in my life. So, for whoever is watching this, um, I do want to tell you that one of my uh, dreams, you know, people always have dreams of meeting, like, their favorite celebrities or favorite public figures and I've been extremely lucky to uh, you know interview Ben Shapiro uh, even though you know even though he you know even though I was never really like a big fan of his I was more of a fan of Bright, of Andrew Breitbart but you know nonetheless you know that was the closest I was going to get to meeting Breitbart, you know, post his death. Um, you know, I've gotten to meet Larry Elder actually in person, who I also really admire. Uh, I got to, you know, 
shake hands with the infamous Glenn Beck, you know, who now, I, you know, obviously Beck is kind of cringe. I'll, I'll admit that. He went like full never Trump. Uh, you know, now he's kind of coming back. Like back in 2012, you know, when I was a teenager, like a, a bunch of us liked him. You know, maybe that was teenage ignorance. I don't know. But long story short, you know, I got to meet him too. So I'm just putting this out there. Out of all the hosts I've wanted to meet, Rush is the one who I've always had a desire to uh, meet with or at least shake hands with or even, you know, like exchange emails with. And I've always wanted to send him to basically tell my story of how he inspired me and how he inspired this podcast. Now, I know he has, like, the Rush 24-7 email. I've been a podcast subscriber of his for, for years, and I... I I know that, um, you know, I know that there's that premium email, but he also gets a lot of mail on that, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he gets thousands of emails, and I know he doesn't have time to read every single letter. I, 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 I get that. I totally understand and I'm not, you know, saying that for sure I would be the exception to the rule. But given how much of an influence Lash is, given the fact what I just shared with you, deeply personal about how he is the impotence for this show, I never got the chance to properly thank Andrew Breitbart myself uh, for the influence he had on me. Um, you know, by the time, by the time I fully realized how influential Andrew Breitbart was, he was already gone. Um, and with Rush's cancer diagnosis, I know that he, I know that he's an optimistic guy, but he's also 69, close to 70. Um, and well, the, cancer diagnosis isn't exactly terminal, it's advanced enough to where it's not good, and I don't know how else to say this, I would just like him to know how much he means to me, and how much of a unique impact he he made on me because I know that among broadcasters he's a huge influence, but even so, as a millennial, I, I realize that I kind of am somewhat of an, an anomaly as far as his listenership goes. So, I don't know. I would just really love to you know, 
exchange and actually be able to reach out and make contact with him and, you know, thank him myself and make, um, you know, something happen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm putting that out there because crazier things have happened. Um, the craziest thing that, you know, could happen is if I could actually get him on the show. I'm not saying that that's what I want. I would be perfectly happy just to meet with him or even speak with him on the phone. Either of those two things have always been my dream, more or less. But if he wanted to come on this show and be interviewed, like, I would... I would more than be willing to to meet with him to go all the way up to Palm Beach. Uh, I mean, I am here in Florida, so that helps, but I would be willing to make the trek up there somehow to, uh, you know, meet him and have the show there, if that's what he wanted. I know it, and I know it all seems crazy again, but uh, I'm putting that out there. Um, because you never know. You just don't know. So, um, you know, putting that out there and if anything happens, um, you know, great. If not, that's fine and you guys now know the the truth. Alrighty, folks, I am back. Apologies to the video audience for that transition, but I had to take a uh, quick break. But I'm back now. So, I just shared with you what Rush Limbaugh means to me, and obviously I just shared, you know, kind of my celebrity, uh, you know, meet, uh, dream, I guess. Like I said, it would be, it would be my honor to meet Rush. Um, add in right though. I did watch the State of the Union on Tuesday night. Well, technically since I'm recording this on Wednesday, uh, that I watched it last night, I should say, or I watched part of it. Um, I didn't get the chance to watch the whole thing, and I was actually about ready to go to bed, um, right when President Trump mentioned that Rush Limbaugh was a guest of honor. And, uh, when he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, I was... I mean, I was just as awestruck as Rush was. And I have the clip of that, too. That's in much higher quality than the uh, video I played earlier in the program. But President Trump awarded uh, Limbaugh the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest military honor that a... Uh, which is the highest uh, honor that a non-military member can receive. Excuse me. Um, and I have Russia's reaction, and you can obviously tell that he is awestruck and honored and 
in tears. I've never seen the man in tears in all the years I've been watching and or uh, listening to him. But this was really genuine and moving to see Russia's reaction and, uh, you know, President Trump's reaction. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, I'll I'll get to the State of the Union more on uh, Saturday evening when I cover the more political edition of the show, but Pelosi sat down through most of the State of the Union uh, anyway, just because she's a, you know, she's a bit of a bitch like that. Uh, but anyway, here is uh, President Trump honoring Rush Limbaugh at, on Tuesday's uh, State of the Union. Clip number two, let me find the video here and cue it up, and we're good to go. So this is uh, President Trump honoring Rush Limbaugh on, during Tuesday's State of the Union. Roll the tape. Almost every American family knows the pain when a loved one is diagnosed with a serious illness. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. Real quick, I kind of dig the fact that both he and Alex Jones are, uh, you know, rocking the the beard of luck now. I I I, I kind of like that. I've got to admit. So. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. That is the expression of a man totally awestruck. And humbled. And I, I imagine that that was my face last night watching this as a long time uh, Rush 
as a long-time ditto head and as a Rush baby, too. I should have mentioned that earlier, too, that I am a Rush baby, technically. What is a Rush baby, you ask? It's a millennial that was born and basically, you know, grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Zoomers, that is what a, uh, that's what a Rush baby is. So. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please. No wonder Nancy uh, shredded the damn papers at the end of the evening. Not only is Trump doing great as president, but the man who the entire, uh, you know, left-wing establishment hates, this man, Rush Limbaugh, the most dangerous man in America, as the left ones used to call him. Uh, They still might, for all I know. Some of them still might. He just got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And even with his cancer diagnosis, that that just that honor can't be taken away. And people are like, well, why is uh why why did Rush Limbaugh get that honor? He's just a talking head. I mean Obama Obama gave uh you know, Obama's given gave stupid recognitions of you know people too. He he honored that you know one. Uh, not he didn't honor Bill Ayers at the White House, although I I was tempted to say, but he, I mean, Obama recognized his fair share of you know radical leftists too. So I I don't want to hear about you know oh, you know how dare Rush Limbaugh get the uh, the the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Mm. He's still he's still your president, and Rush Limbaugh is still the number one uh, radio talk show host in America, terrestrially at least. Rush and Catherine, congratulations. Thank you, Catherine. So, 
as I said, uh, you know, wow. Just a huge honor um, for Rachel Limbaugh and for ditto heads across America like myself who have been listening, um, you know, for all these years. And for those of us who have started our own media careers because of Rush, this was our moment last night. And I was honored to watch this. Now, I will be covering uh, the State of the Union on Saturday in more depth, unless... um, I may have a guest come on Saturday, but I don't want to announce anything yet because we haven't booked it. So unless my guest comes on, uh, I'll I'll be covering the State of the Union more on Saturday. But anyway, um, so folks, I know that the vast majority of this show has uh, been dedicated to uh, Rush Limbaugh. And to some of the more serious stuff regarding his diagnosis and, and what he means to me, I, I get all that. I do want to uh, go on to something a little bit more lighthearted and, you know, pop culture-wise. Uh, kind of, just because it was the uh, Super Bowl this weekend, uh, folks. And um, neither my favorite teams were in the were in the Super Bowl, but I will say I, I I did vote for the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they're not in my division. Um you know, San Francisco is just such a, a liberal hellhole and you know, especially with like Colin Kaepernick being one of their players at some point, I, I just can't with them. So uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs I was kind of rooting for them. Even if San Francisco had won, though, I wouldn't have been upset. It was kind of like I went to the Super Bowl party in my neighborhood just to, uh, you know, have beers and socialize with my neighbors and just have fun. Um, and some of you guys on Facebook, uh, I know that you guys, uh, some of you guys who, are, who follow me on Facebook, uh, you know, on my personal page, some of you guys know that I probably got a little bit schnockered uh, on uh, on Sunday for the Super Bowl. And for those of you who are wondering what the uh, brand of bourbon I had, some of, some of you guys sent me uh, DMs on Facebook Messenger regarding that. Some of you guys even even uh, used the the website contact form uh, on my website to ask about that which I thought was pretty funny I I don't have it um with me I texted my neighbor and asked him but he hasn't gotten back to me I'll I'll get that information for sure to you guys on Saturday but um at any rate so the commercials were pretty good this year I I can't play any of them. Uh, on here because uh, even with uh, fair use and whatnot, the NFL is a is a thick old bitch when it comes to using their commercials. Like even doing 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 commentary, like you know, even bigger YouTube channels 
have a uh, much tougher time, you know, getting away with playing them even with commentary. So I'm certainly not going to try. But uh, at any rate, I thought the Bill Murray commercial, you know, Groundhog Day was pretty good. I thought that the Jason Momoa one, that was funny. Uh, the, the Sam Elliott, uh, you know, Dritos dance off. I can't remember the other guy, but that was funny. Um, now, one thing that I have to address here, because I know that some of you guys have been waiting for the Thursday show for me to address this. Uh, some of you guys think I'm crazy. But let me let me explain something, and this is regarding the uh, Super Bowl halftime show, by the way. Let me just say that I have very mixed emotions on the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay? On the one hand, I'm... I'm not a fan of either... J-Lo or Shakira musically. Um, neither of them have ever really been, you know, my, my, my taste in music, mainly because I'm a guy, but also, like, I don't really like that pop, you know, like, dance music, you know, that, that you know, pure, that pure pop, basically. It's, it's never been kind of in, in my wheelhouse. Uh, I mean, with the exception of, like, with the exception of one or two songs, I, I don't like Maroon 5, you know, or any of, like, those big pop bands, um, musically. And I've said for years that I always like it when the Super Bowl has, like, rock bands. And it, just because the Super Bowl kind of seems like one of those events that, like, just... It needs rock and roll, or it needs metal, or, you know, it needs something that just kind of has that, you know, to it, that only rock and roll, you know, or metal, or something like that could provide. A lot of you guys will know what I mean. Some of you guys who are less musically inclined won't, uh, and maybe that's just me being a music snob and a musical boomer, but I don't care. Um... You know, in re- in regards to the whole, you know, racy dancing thing, though, this, this is what I find hilarious, kind of, is... And this is something I talked about, like, two weeks ago, too. Um, you know, just regarding their performance, like, obviously I'm a guy, and... I like attractive women. And I like sexy women. And I I, I did not find anything wrong with that halftime show performance. In fact, a lot of like the older guys in my in my neighborhood, I, I'm I'm reserved compared to my neighbors. But a lot of my neighbors were uh disappointed that there wasn't more like a wardrobe malfunction. You know, so I have no problem with like, with like racy dancing. And it it was kind of 
funny for me uh, to to see like some of these conservatives uh, pearl clutching on Twitter. Some who some you know whom I mostly agree with on like other stuff, but this is one of those thing things like like I talked about last week on the show, right on last week's Thursday podcast, right. There are two kind of extremes, right? There, there's the, uh, you know, there, there's like, there's the far left who, you know, just wants, you know, trannies and like pure degeneracy, uh, you know, not even so much trannies, but they want, you know, kids being sexualized and, you know, uh, all that, all that other stuff, like actual degenerate, uh, stuff, right? And then there's, then there's kind of like the the conservative right that's kind of like you know very prudish on that sort of thing, and they don't like the Super Bowl halftime, you know, performance because they thought it was too sexual. Uh, I mean, the left was complaining that it was too sexual, but they thought it was because it was misogynistic or whatever. And here I am, and here the vast majority of, like, you know, men in America thinking, like, finally, we get what we want. And, and by the way, like, a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of the, the uh, complaints on Twitter, I hate to say it, were from women who were complaining about the the Super Bowl halftime performance. Yet last year, I didn't hear one of you uh, women complaining about uh, Adam Levine. Uh, I I think that's the the guy from Maroon 5. I didn't hear one of you ladies complaining about when he took his shirt off, you know, and like, and and pranced around, you know, shirtless on stage with his six pack and none of the guys were complaining were complaining about, about it either we were all kind of like you know looking around at last year's super party like all right you know who's the who's the gay guy in here it's time to find out now but um you know it it didn't bother so you know, just kind of like again the morality fagging from both sides of the uh, you know aisle regarding the the Super Bowl halftime show was very uh, interesting to say the least. But um, you know, overall, I thought it was a great game. You know, like I said, not my uh, taste in music for the Super Bowl halftime show, but it was a very interesting performance. I will say that. Um. And, uh, you know, my neighbors are awesome, the food was great, and that's pretty much what matters. Um, as far as what I've been listening to this week, I've really been listening to, uh, The Rippingtons, which is a smooth jazz band from the 80s and 90s, they still do stuff. But, uh, I've been listening to jazz a lot lately, and I listen to, to like, jazz a lot anyway, because I'm a, I'm a big jazz fan, as most of you guys know, but I've been listening to smooth jazz, which I usually don't do, but I've been listening to it during the day because, uh, you know, I have 
this new job where I'm typing a lot, uh, you know, IRL, and uh, I just work better with, you know, some, like, light background music, so that's what I've been listening to. Highly uh, recommend it if you just want some smooth vibes. Um, and, yeah, I can't... And like I said, I haven't really been able to watch anything in the last few weeks in terms of, you know, TV and movies just because I've, I've been so busy. Although, uh, did I? No, I, I, I thought I, I thought I had watched something the other night, but it, it, it's on my watch list and I haven't gotten around to actually watching it yet. Uh, but at any rate, folks, uh, that'll do it for the Thursday podcast. I will be back Saturday night for real this time, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, live here on the YouTube channel. Uh, Sundays, obviously, is when the audio will be posted for the audio podcast people. But until then, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, from all of us here at NGC uh, Studios, have a good uh, night. Uh, or good day, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, God save this great nation. God bless America. God freedom legacy in that order. And I will see you guys on Saturday evening. Until then, God bless. Hey there, folks. If you've made it this far to the end of the podcast, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the show. You are the ones that make it possible for me to uh, make an income from podcasting, and I greatly appreciate that just by listening to our show. You are helping us gain ad revenue. However, if you would really like to uh, help support the show, I encourage you to please donate to the podcast and become a supporter of the show you can head over to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield report and click the support this podcast button and uh, choose the amount that suits you to support the show or you can click the link in the show notes and it will directly uh, take you to that page if you can support the podcast I really really appreciate that Anything that you can do to uh, help out is greatly appreciated, even if you can't afford to uh, help financially support the podcast. I encourage you to please go on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and please leave this podcast a positive five-star review. That really helps us out here at the Whitfield Report. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next episode.